to Niche Reacts. I'm Emmy McDonald, and I'm uh, I'm emoting today. I'm here with my co-host Alex Martin. I'm always emoting, <laughs> actively emoting, one hundred percent of the time. Yeah, never stops. How you doing? I'm all right. <laughs> what's what's clicking? What's clacking? What's grooving? We just got back from a little trip. Ooh. We went to New York, which was lovely. New and then we York! went to Atlantic City, which was Blech. depressing. Not lovely. <laughs> Didn't love it. Um, I am exhausted, though. I also have a cheek zit forming, oh, which good, is a good. big bummer. Um, it's not really... noticeable, if that Thank helps. You. Thank you. But other than that, I'm feeling pretty low low vibes today i was just yeah. like mad to be back to work to my yeah. like regular routine so that's the worst feeling because it's like you get back from a vacation and everybody's like how was your vacation and they like still want you to be excited about it and you're like i had a great time i don't want to be here you yeah. know like it's just like i'm not trying to be ungrateful but literally ever every cell in my body is telling me to walk out the front door. Yeah, that's basically how I felt today. So, you know, at least tomorrow is Wednesday. And then it'll be Thursday. Oh, Jesus, it is. And then it'll be Christ the weekend. <laughs> then and it'll uh, be the pre-end, then it'll be the weekend. Um, yeah. I also do, like, just to defend uh, your honor, I do feel compelled to emphasize and point out that you didn't go to Atlantic City of your own free will and choice. You did Great go point. to attend a wedding. Yes. And the wedding was outside of Atlantic City, but that was the closest place to like, st- to, you know, have a hotel block. Mm. Um, But yeah, you know, it was uh, a little sad. We... I can imagine. <laughs> and yeah, we just, you know, I was like happy to leave. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, like... We did go to the beach, yeah. which, you know, was also in its own special way kind of <laughs> a, a bummer. But at least it was a beach, and I love the beach. I feel, if anyone's listening and you happen to like it there, I'm sorry. Uh, I feel like uh, Atlantic's like, the way I picture the beach in Atlantic, and, like, full disclosure, I've never been to Atlantic City in my life. I picture the beach in Atlantic City to just be just made of garbage. <laughs> just like like the tide <laughs> washes in and it's just like empty soda cans and broken dreams and like, you know, like it was Atlantic City. Okay, well that's nice. I'm talking shit about something I don't know anything about, but like Atlantic City gives me strong divorce dad vibes. That's what I get. Yeah, I feel that. It's just it, I feel like any place you go that like used to just you know just that lacks its old glory is just kind of a a bummer yeah yeah (laughs) um just like see something deteriorate um but yeah again i'm sorry if that's like your home or place (laughs) that you love uh Uh. but he was i had a good time it was good to see you know uh our friends and, and whatnot so you know not all bad that's but good. That's nice. Not New York. Not the West Village. <laughs> not decidedly not the West Village. Drastically yeah. different vibes from where I was at, where I was in New York. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah. Anyways, enough about me. Yeah. 
Yeah. Good. Well, I mean, not good. Bad. You know, tough. But I get it. I see you. I hear you. So, sorry about your, <laughs> I don't know, day location. <laughs> sorry about your existence. <laughs> sorry. Sorry about, yeah, sorry about that today. So, all right. Well, um, we today, we're gonna, should, should we get into it? Do we have anything else to, to chit chat about? Nah. I'm sad you're sad. Everybody's sad. Yeah. That tonally fitting for today's topic, I yes. guess. Um, uh, we today, we, so we started out deciding that we wanted to do this podcast because um, a dear friend of ours wrote a book. Uh, it came out last week, last Thursday, um, or Wednesday, Thursday, July 19th. Um, and it's a really beautiful book and it's, you know, very well written and, um, but it's a, it's a memoir and, uh, it's called Far From the Twisted Reach. Uh, the author's name is Matt Bindig. Uh, and so he wrote this book and it's about, um, I mean, the larger, you know, the, the structure of it is that he went on a road trip with his family, his wife and his three kids, um, in the summer of 2019. Um, and he didn't like set out with a plan to write a book about it, but he's a, an avid journaler. So he was journaling through the process and, you know, writing down what they did every given day and what happened and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and then he got back and six months later, uh, COVID hit. And so it kind of cast everything in this, you know, different light in terms of like, are we ever going to do this again? You know, like, is the world ever going to be, is, is the world ever going to allow us? Um, but the sort of the through line of the book is that when he set out with this plan to do this with his family, um, he had been dealing with some mental health issues, um, he had, at one point, he had had to take a leave of absence from his job, and he started going to therapy, and, you know, um, so he, then he came back, and he made a different choice and tried something else, and, um, you know, he was trying to, like, work through all this stuff that he had going on, and, you know, and he was still finding himself depressed, because um, sometimes that's how mental health goes, um, and... You know, and so this book is about, you know, struggling with that and struggling with, you know, all the things I think that are kind of cast into relief by mental health issues, right? Like everything feels, obviously everything feels worse and higher stakes, right? And you're like, but it's also like, just by virtue of being a person in the world today, right? Like whether or not your mental health is in a good place, it's like, there is so much to be worried about. Um, so the, the quote that he referenced when he like went to go out and, and do this trip with his family is a, um, a Bill Clinton quote where he said, there's nothing wrong with America that cannot be cured by what is right with America. So it was kind of like, that was the ethos of it. It's like, we're going to like go out, see what this country has to offer, see some of the most beautiful things we can see. And hopefully, you know, we'll have a really great time together, but also like, you know, wanting to, I think kind of rebuild some of that, that 
faith and, you know, any of all of that. So um, anyway, we uh, wanted to talk about this book. um, And because of what it's about, we decided that the, the best avenue to do that would be to kind of do a roundup of some of our favorite works, I think, that deal with um, men talking about mental health, um, but also just men being emotionally vulnerable and yes. emoting, men emoting. So that's what we're here to talk about today. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. I bet you didn't think we'd be talking about this. No. But here we are. Yeah. But here we are. We're doing it. Um, uh, and, you know, <laughs> Why are in two you weeks, sitting in the dark? <laughs> I, because the light was on next to me and I felt like it was so bright <laughs> that I was like, I had to, and now I've overcompensated. You're so, really, you're in I'm the, by, you're, I mean, I'm by my window. You just, you can't see, you know. Like, you're, it, you're really, you're in it. <laughs> I'm in a lair. I sit in the dark. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's It does look a little bit spooky. I'm also, like, I'm wearing a white t-shirt, and I feel like, the, <laughs> like I'm, like, I'm glowing a little bit. I look, I have a little bit of a ghostly specter around me, so. So the vibes are right. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about it. Um. So I first, you know, the, the first thing that I kind of wanted to bring up, something that I was thinking about when we were you know, talking about how we wanted to approach this um, is a bell hooks quote that I came across Um, for anybody that doesn't know bell hooks was a, you know, she's a major feminist writer. She's, you know, the author of a lot of like early and integral and really important feminist works. Um, So she has a quote uh, that says the first act of violence that patriarchy demands of males is not violence towards women. Instead, patriarchy demands of all males that they engage in acts of psychic self-mutilation, that they kill off the emotional parts of themselves. If an individual is not successful in emotionally crippling himself, he can count on patriarchal men to enact rituals of power that will assault his self-esteem. Um, so I I wanted to bring that up because I think that that's a really kind of important part of this conversation. Um, and I, you know, I, I do want to have this conversation from like a place of, of good faith, you know, but I think there are, you know, there are people that, that when you talk about, you know, feminism, gender equality, all of that stuff, like the first thing that they go to is, well, what about, you know, men's mental health? What about the suicide rates among men? What about this? What about that? And, you know, and I think like that, that is all important. And the idea that talking about that is somehow counter to the notions of talking about feminism, talking about gender equality, talking about the patriarchy, I think is incorrect. Right. Because it's like it's not that men are inherently emotionless beings. Right. And it's not that men don't struggle with mental health in the same way that women do. Like they do and they are. um, But it is it's a consequence of patriarchy that tells men that like, 
emoting is not appropriate, that that is not something that men do, that you have to stiff up or lip it, that you can't talk about it, that people will think you're weak, all of these things, right? Like it's, that is a social conditioning result of patriarchy. And it's one of the ways, like, that's what we mean when we talk about toxic masculinity, right? It's not like, it's not the idea that like, toxic masculinity does not mean like, oh, it's a bad thing to say that like, men are strong, right? It means like, it's a bad idea to tell men that they have to be strong to the point that they feel like they can't be vulnerable at all with anybody ever, and they're suffering alone. Right. Like our society loves to tell people that there are only certain ways to be. And if you are not one of those ways and like somehow you, you do not fit in, which we know is just fucking false. And I think for a lot of men, right, that expectation is that you are the doer, the fixer, right? You just hold it all in, you deal with it and like, it'll all be fine, right? Like, uh, it's fine. Like, I'll be fine. I feel like you, you, I guess, you know, from like men in my life, right? It's a lot of that, like, well, it's fine. Like, it'll just be fine. And it's like, yeah, I mean, it will be fine. Like, right. I mean, right. maybe right. not, but like in the the arc of the universe, yeah, like things will work out. But, but there's, you know, that that's just not a way you have to be. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've, I, I've had that conversation with men in my life where they're like, I'm like, hey, like, how are you? And they're like, well, I got this and I got this and blah, blah, blah. And this thing's going on. And I don't know, like, I don't feel, you know, like all of the, and the stuff comes pouring out because you're like, is this the, part of you is like, is this the first time anybody has asked you how you really yeah. are in a while? Like, has no one talked to you about this? And then they're like, but you know, whatever, it's fine. And you're like, it doesn't seem fine you know what i mean like and and that's not okay that it's not fine right it's not exclusively a male tendency but i definitely think it's something that men do more where it's like you know they don't want to have to it's been kind of reinforced for them over the years that like needing to talk about it or needing someone's help or admitting that you don't know what the fuck you're doing or how to fix your problem that like those are all signs of weakness, right? I mean, it's the it's the age old joke about like how husbands don't ask for directions in the car, right? Because they're like, I'm I know where we are, I'm gonna figure it out. And like we've all seen our dads be so lost and be like, I know where we are. And your mom's like, just ask somebody. Like, just <laughs> ask somebody, right? And, you know, and to carry on the metaphor, it's like what happens when you don't know where you are and you don't ask anybody for directions, right? You're doing it because you don't, as a man, you can't admit that you're lost, right? But like, all that happens is you end up getting more lost, right? And so it's like, you see that a lot where it's, you know, and it's, it's interesting too, because I think it's, you know, there's all of this stuff about uh, about vulnerability and kind of the accessibility to vulnerability, right? Like, it, it's hard for everybody. But I think it's uniquely difficult for men, in part because women are raised with our friendships being built around, you know, not even like that anybody's telling you like, oh, you have to be vulnerable. But like, female friendships are built around talking, right? Like, we're always... Girls are always talking. They spend a sleepover, like, you know, like, 
boys play football and play video games and like do activities and girls just like we do stuff that we do while talking you know we paint our nails and what do we do while we're painting our nails we sit and we talk you know like and so women are always like discussing what's going on in their lives with one another and i think you know and it's not to say that like no dude ever talks about his life with his friends but i think it's less of the you know when you when there isn't that thing of like, oh, I'm going to like regularly update you about what's going on. Then when things are bad and something's going wrong, it's like, it's not, it doesn't feel as innate. It's not something that you're accustomed to, to be able to be like, yes, yeah, something's wrong, you know? Yeah. It, it's always baffled me. I feel like I have like male identifying friends who just like something major will happen in their mm-hmm. life. And it's just like months later they'll be like, oh yeah, like a parent passed away or someone right. had, like got sick or X, Y, and Z or all of these. And you're like, what? Like right. why, you know, like why wouldn't you have said that or let right. us know or just, you know, I think it's, I, I see this a lot and where it's like, well, I don't want to put that on you. Like, I don't want to like have this to also be your burden and to like have you have to like empathize and like feel that with me because I don't want to do that to you and protect you from that and it's like that's that's not really it right like you know and we've talked about this it's like you do have to be mindful <laughs> you don't right. want to just like right. dump on someone right like eventually that's too right. much and there's you gotta, a threshold as there's there a threshold. is for anything but it's like no like that's what this relationship right like I want to be there for you I want right. to hold that with you and like or just like you can just put it down you can talk to me about it like it's it's not just you like all of a sudden like I'm just going to t- like, take that from you and it's going to be like my load to bear like that's not how this really works or should be working right well and I, I yeah it's it's the notion that existing in a relate like in a functioning you know communicative relationship with somebody is somehow being a burden to them right no. that like in sharing your thoughts and feelings and struggle with someone you're burdening them and like that that's not a healthy mindset to give to people right that like that your existence is burdening somebody you know it's like of course like of course that's a problematic thing to like you know and I'm sure like when men do that right they're not thinking about that consciously right there's a lot of stuff I mean the, the way that patriarchy works right is that like so much of this stuff happens on a subconscious level because it's just kind of been baked into us over the years. But like you take that thought, what you're talking about down to its root. And that's, that's what we're saying. You know, that's what men are being told is that like, yeah, by virtue of sharing your thoughts and feelings, like you are, you're a burden to someone. And like, that's all. All, anyone you, every girlfriend that you've ever had is just asking you to share your thoughts and feelings, you know? And, like, that's not what this is about, right? And that's not the reason you should be getting emotionally healthy and mentally healthy. But, like, that, it's a great thing to do. Like, it would be great if you would share your thoughts and feelings. Listen and communicate if you came here for relationship advice. Right, yeah. But no, it's like, I guess I'm the same vein as relationships, right? I think a lot of, like, you know, 
I've, I've struggled with this. I've seen friends where it's like, I don't need you to fix this for me. Yeah. You know, it, you're just like, no, like, I don't need this to be fixed. I just need to like vent about it. Right. And like, I guess I know the solution. Sometimes I don't. Right. <laughs> I'm panicked. Right. But Sometimes like, I need you to fix it. And if I do, I'll tell you. I'll let you know. Yeah. Um, otherwise, right. It's that like, you know, are we I'll be wearing it? a sign around my neck that says, <laughs> help me. <laughs> I'll be crying on the ground. <laughs> no. But like, right. Just and that I think that's like a way that this like manifests itself. Oh, for sure. That I think would be it's probably I think relatable for a lot of people who are maybe listening right it's like I just want to like vent or talk shit and I don't need you to be like did you drink any water today (laughs) (laughs) have a headache it's like no I haven't but I know that I should I have said out loud to every I would say virtually every man who have who has ever like been in my life in any sort of like extended way like where I would talk to them about something and you know bitch and whatever like my dad my brother every guy I've ever like dated long term I have at some point been like I do not need you to fix it I I am just trying to talk about it like because it's like you feel the jump to like well have you tried this did you do this and it's like I know everything that I need to do and that's part of the problem is that like (laughs) as somebody who has next to no executive function skills I'm sitting here going like oh my god I can't do this so like right now I just need to complain and I just need you to be like okay got it that sucks you know but I do think, you know, because it, it's it's true, like men are socialized around this idea of fixing things and something that you had said, like in the lead up to talking about this and talking about that idea of like fixing things is that, you know, when it comes to mental health, like it's something that is not always fixable, right? Like yeah. fixable in the like, I... A is going on, so I am going to do B, and we are going to get to C, which is, like, I'm emotionally healthy again, right? Like, mental health is, like, you know, you, whether it's that you have a mental health disorder, or you're just generally, like, kind of in a funk, you know, that you're, like, not in a good place mentally, emotionally, like, sometimes you go to therapy, and it, like, it doesn't always work, you know, like you don't have the right therapist for you or you just, you know, sometimes you go in on a Friday and you leave and you're like, oh, look at that. Now it's Friday morning at 10 a.m. And I feel worse than I did when I got here. Right. Like it's like a it's a two steps forward, one step back kind of process. Sometimes you get medicated and then it doesn't work or it does work for a while and then it stops working and for like virtually no reason at all right your brain just like decides to fuck around one day and stop letting zoloft work for you or whatever um and so it's a very you know mental health is a very state and and emotions in general but like all of this you know it's there's so much nuance involved and it's not a like it's not problem solving in that very straightforward kind of way And like, it's a hard thing to fix. And so when you're told that one of your inherent values is the ability to fix things or solve things, and then you can't, and you're told that you shouldn't ask for help because that's like a detriment 
or against, you know, the notion of your manhood, right, and your masculinity. Like, what a horrible cocktail to be feeding people. Yeah. You know, do I know? Do I even know? What was I going to (laughs) say? I think in my personal experience, any mental health disorder, things that I deal with are only worsened if I isolate myself. Oh, yeah. If I don't ask for help, right? I didn't say that for you. I said that for me. (laughs) I'm not like, oh, yeah. (laughs) yeah. (laughs) But, you know, like, it's hard enough for anyone to talk about these things. But it would be harder if I, you know, was, was raised in a way that made it seem impossible to do so. Right, right. Yeah, and I think, I mean, if at this point there is anyone sitting here going, like, what do two girls know about men's mental health? (laughs) Whatever. I think that there, like, there is a fact that is true with any sort of, you know, any dynamic like this. But, like, when you are the group, right, when you are a part of the group, that is dealing with the consequence of any sort of, like, oppressive paradigm, right? So in this case, patriarchy. In some ways, it allows you to actually, like, there is a way that being, that that being women, right, and identifying as women and all of this, like, it actually allows, it, it allows women to be able to look at, like, manhood, maleness, masculinity, and all of this from the outside and understand it because of the ways that, like, we deal with it, right? And we deal with the consequences of it as women and all of the things that, like, men are told they can and can't do, right? Like, there there are some ways that, like, in being the other party you're almost able to understand it better. Um, and, you know, like, we, we've we seen all of this in our own lives, and it's, it's sometimes it's, it's a little bit easier to, like, to assess something when you are not so much a part of it, you know, when, but when it still has a consequence for you. Um, so all that to say, I mean, we're going to go forward and kind of talk about some of the work that we that we love and that's been important to us in talking about, you know, talking about mental health, but work by men that speaks about their mental health. You know, we're not so much talking about work that's speaking about like the conundrum of men having mental health issues. Although I would say in Matt's book, that's a little bit more, um, there, there is some of that discussion. Um, but, and we'll get to that when we get there. But in general, you know, we're kind of talking about, like, pieces of work where men go out on the limb to just be like, hey, like, I'm having a hard time. Like, let's yeah. talk about it. Let's get honest about it. Let's, like, you know, and and I just, I do think it's a really important thing to do because everything starts you know, with an example, right? Like you, you know, it, and it's so much easier for people to like, 
I, I do think that it is, it's one of the most important things about art is that it's like, it can get conversations going, you know? And um, I think that being able to see somebody who like makes something that you love, you, you know, be like, hey, you know what? <laughs> I am depressed. Like, I do think that it, it actually makes a difference for people being able to look at, at, you know, at a work and be like, oh yeah, like, you know, it's not abnormal. I'm not, you know, it's not a, like, it, it, I mean, not that you should feel depressed. I don't mean it like, oh yeah, depression's normal. But like, I mean it in a way of like, you know, I, I think it does help for people to just see, you know, it, because as much as we can go like, oh, you know, yeah, men should be more open about this. And yeah, men do need to talk about this and, and all of this kind of stuff. It's like the thing that makes the biggest difference for people is like seeing a man out there being like, hello, I'm mentally unwell. Like, yeah. and, and you can talk about it too, because, you know, depression and anxiety and I mean, general mental unwellness, but also specific disorders, like it, the things that we have both dealt with. And I think been pretty like open and honest about, but they they do they thrive in in darkness you know and the i mean the number uh, and i've i've said this to you before but like there are things where like i have i mean i have been like when my anxiety was the worst that it that it got you know before i got medicated and and everything else like i could be days deep into a spiral where it was like i had been like, I mean, I was just like thinking about it and ruminating on it. And like, you know, you get in this cycle of like self-completing like thoughts of just going like, yep. And I know exactly where this is going to go. And I know exactly how this is going to end. And this is why I'm right. And, and you can't even get yourself to like pull out of it and look at it from the outside, you know? And then I would like, once I finally, like, after being like, oh my God, I can't tell anybody like the shame, the, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And then I finally would talk to you about it and you would just look at me and be like, but like, that's not really what's happening. You know what I mean? Like you were like, I get it. I hear you. Like, you know, I understand how you got there, but like that, this is not inevitable, you know? And like, have you thought about it this way? And you're like, I, I would sit there and be like, well, no, I haven't. Obviously I haven't thought about it. You know, like it's, and so I think the number one you know, in my own mental health struggles, that's the number one thing that I found is that like, it the enemy of all of this is talking about it. And our brains convince us that talking about it is the last thing that we could do, right? Because it's shameful, or, you know, yeah. whatever it is. And, and all of this thrives on especially feelings of shame. Um, and so it's really important. It's really, really, really important to be able to talk about it and to be able to just like bring some light to it. And, you know, in some, like one of the things we're going to talk about, you know, brings a bit of levity to it. Um, but just being honest about like what it looks like to be a person yeah. who's like, hey, you know, everything's not great all the time. You got to laugh about it. Yeah, you got Sometimes. to. You got to. It's it it's too much. It's too much to bear without some uh without some humor. Yeah. yeah, you know, I I have OCD. It took me a long time to even like I guess you know, you, you know. <laughs> I was it was tingling in the back of my mind uh that that was it, but even like I consider myself someone who's like pretty <laughs> if you couldn't tell from 
the time we've spent together, uh, pretty emo- like emotive, relatively in touch with my feelings, right? All of those things. It was still hard for me. Right. It still is hard for me sometimes to talk about, uh, to articulate. Um, but yeah, it doesn't, you know, like OCD doesn't want you to live in the present. It wants you to always be worrying about the future, always ruminating on the past. Right. It wants you to like live in that like isolation and shame and, you know, feeds off of that. And that is unhealthy. And we won't talk about this person t- t- today, but, you know, John Green has been pretty open and honest and like talking about his struggles with OCD. And, you know, one of his turtles all the way down is about a character who who deals with that. And that was super important to me. Right. And like realizing for myself and like seeking help. So, you know. It's important. It matters. Right. Yeah. And I think, too, it's like there's also the fact of like, I mean, sometimes mental health stuff, like if you haven't seen somebody go through it or, you know, whatever, like it can be hard to identify from from within it. Right. Like you're just like, oh, this is just what everything feels like until somebody like walks up to you and is like, hey, like you seem depressed. You know what I mean? Like sometimes it's like it really is because it becomes right? Like you're the goldfish in the bowl. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, the water here is just a different color. And then eventually it's like, that's just how the water is, you know, Mm -hmm. like, or, you know, the, the, this is water, right? Like you're like, what's water? Like you just, you exist in the water. So you, uh, I I screwed up the metaphor that I literally (laughs) have tattooed on my body. (laughs) Nailed it. Um, you know, but it's like, it, it can be really hard to identify unless you see somebody else go through it. So I think that's part of what's really important about this is also like just the, the candor and the openness of talking about what it looks like to go through, you know, a mental health crisis or episode or whatever, so that people are able to kind of identify it in themselves and go like, Oh, that's what that feels like. That's why this feels bad. Like it's not, I'm not supposed to, just let this be okay, you know? Right. So, with that said, you want to get into it? Let's get into it. Some Let's examples. It. Some examples <laughs> to support our thesis statement. Um, you want to start with movies, music? I think we're going to save the book for last. Um, um, Alex is doing a little hand dance that nobody can see. Yeah. Little head bob, little hand dance. Uh, do you want to start with music? Let's. <laughs> Let's start with music. Cool. Um, go ahead. Bring her yeah. in. I think we wanted to talk about two albums. Mm-hmm. One, Noah Khan's Stick Season. Woo! And then uh, we'll talk about Frank Ocean's uh, yeah. Blonde, which is one of my, one of my all-time favorites. Um, but no, I think uh, I saw Noah Khan in concert brag um brag. a few weeks back and i one think i cried maybe one more time than i did at taylor swift so like shout out to him um but i remember you know being is there an award for that i don't know but he did just you just sent this to me cover there's a statuette of you <laughs> for you making someone a, a diehard taylor swift fan cry more than taylor swift did i think he'd love to know that um but I did just recently see the TikTok of him covering This Is Me Trying. Oh, yeah, I I immediately (laughs) sent it to you. I was like, wow, if I was to pick out a Taylor Swift song that I think 
Yeah. Would be his favorite. Yeah. It would be that one. Yeah. Also about dealing with mental health. Yeah. yeah, Also dealing about mental health. And I think a good point, right? Like you, everyone is just trying their best anyways. Mm -hmm. Um, But no, I remember being at the show and being like, wow, like I'm so happy that everyone in the audience, but all of these young people, regardless of how you identify, have someone like him to look up to and see being honest about like his own struggles with mental health, being emotional. Um, I think he cried yeah. <laughs> two or three times. It was um it was like his largest show to date at that time. So I think, you know, one that was just I think an emotional experience, I'm sure, in and of yeah. itself. But to be being so vulnerable. It was also know, right after the extended cut of the album. Yes, yeah, so it out, came right? out that technically that day. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, it was he was definitely having a heightened emotional yeah. <laughs> experience. But it was really, you know, not that I want him to be sad or anything, but like it was Cry for us. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was really like it was powerful to, yeah. to see and to watch that. And it was I mean, that's probably I think why I cried so many times was just like watching him feel all yeah. of that and feel all his feelings and just like do it so openly, right, in front of like thousands and thousands of people. Yeah. Um there was something powerful about that, and I think, you know, the song Growing Sideways was definitely, you know, kind of where he discussed all of that. It was definitely the most, like, kind of, like, the emotional, I guess, like, centerpiece in mm. some ways. But the whole album, he does – it's so good. If you haven't listened to it, I highly yeah. recommend. And I think he does something that is really hard. And, you know, there are times where he's, like, talking about, you know, characters. Um, right, right. In, throughout his throughout the album, but, like – Something I find unique that he does is, like, understands his, where he needs, you know, it's his fault. <laughs> Takes right. the blame. Right. Um, is, like, self-aware in that way, because that is a huge part of all of this as well. Um, I think that's a unique element of, of, yeah. stick, of stick season as a whole. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, the song Growing Sideways specifically is really about, I mean, like, the the idea of growing sideways, right, is, like, you're not growing upwards, you're growing sideways, which is better than, like, sinking down into the earth, but it's not exactly, like, being a towering oak tree, right? So it's about, like, going to your therapist and, like, sometimes it kind of works and it kind of doesn't and you're still pissed off at your parents and you're, you know, maybe, like, numbing yourself a little bit with, like, all these different things and it's, like, you know... I am just like the, the one of the lyrics is, you know, in the chorus is uh, I know that there are worse ways to stay alive. Right. Where it's like he is just he's talking about like white knuckling it through your through like a mental health crisis of just being like everything's hard and everything hurts. And I'm not like currently the best version of myself, but at least I'm tr- like, at least I'm doing something right. Like yeah. this is me trying, you know, <laughs> um, I love that song. Uh and, and to your point about young people, I mean, I think it's like, I, I think it's honestly incredibly revealing that Noah Khan kind of had like the explosive growth that he's had in the past year or so. Cause he, you know, I mean, he's had a, he's actually, I was really surprised to learn he's had a major studio um, or a major, not studio, excuse me. I'm thinking about the writer's strike. Cause we talked <laughs> about that. Um, but 
I'm he's had a major label deal for like five or six albums and he's like never really taken off and this album which is very personal and very much about you know I mean yeah there are some where he kind of takes the position of this character who's not himself but you can tell that they're you know even if they're not entirely autobiographical songs there are certainly autobiographical elements to them um and it blew up on TikTok you know and it like it was one song and then it was the next one and then it was the next one. And then people were like, Oh my God, like we need this album to come out. And the album finally came out. And then he made the extended version, which is like extra songs. A lot of which are also about mental health. Um, and some of which are just (laughs) absolutely gutting. Um, but I think it's really revealing that like in a space that is largely ruled by Gen Z and young millennials and whatever, like this is an artist that people gravitated toward is somebody being really real about like how challenging, you know, about his mental health, about how hard it is to be a person sometimes about bitterness and resentment. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, I, th- I think that's a really big deal. I think that's a cultural shift that we're experiencing is like a lot of people just being like, yeah, like, yeah, we've all got it. You know, like everybody, yeah. even if you're like, you know, you don't have trauma and you don't have mental illness and you don't have whatever. It's like everybody is like trying to take care of themselves in a world which is seemingly making it increasingly harder to do so. Um, But and I had another point. Hold on. Oh, yeah. I had another thing that I wanted to say. I think even if it's not something you deal with, right? Probably someone you know, right? We're all trying to not only take care of ourselves, but also, you know, look out for the people that we love who may be experiencing something similar. Right. Um, Fuck. I also had a point. (laughs) I know what I wanted to say now. I remember. The thing that strikes me a lot as, like, something that comes up in this album and something that I think about a lot in general as somebody who is, like, you know, had my own mental health struggles, been in long-term relationships with people experiencing mental health struggles. Not people. It was one. But whatever. You know, like, is the phrase, the, the kind of axiom that your mental health is not your fault, but it is your responsibility. You know, and they're there comes a point with anything that has to do with, you know, trauma, mental illness, general mental wellness, where it's like, you know, you shouldn't beat yourself up for the fact that you're in this position. Like it, it happened to you. There's nothing that you could have done to prevent it. Like, it's just, some of us just, (laughs) we got brains that are like this, you know, like, but when you, it is your it is your job to do everything that you can to try and take care of yourself, you know, and whatever that looks like, you know, it, that might not mean getting medicated, that might mean something else, you know, like for everybody, it's different. But it is be, because as much as mental illness wants to tell us that, you know, the only person this affects is you because nobody cares about you and yada yada, it's like, your mental health affects the people around you as well. You know, everybody that loves you and there are always more of them than you think there are, like they're going through it alongside you. They're watching you, you know, and like, and it's also your responsibility for yourself. You know, like you have to take care of yourself for yourself in order to be the person that you want to be, you know? And that doesn't mean like 
it being perfect, right? Sometimes it means growing sideways, but it it does mean that like that is your number one job is to make sure that like you know your head's screwed on right for sure and i i think i can speak on this like one in terms of myself in general right it's like you can be self-aware to a fault like at some point self-awareness can become a crutch right it's like okay like i i knew all these things about myself but at some point you have to act you you have to take care of yourself you have to act on it right what's the point of sometimes like what's the point of knowing these things just to know them but not to make them better um and yeah I think that was something that I like you know I myself was like okay like I actually need to like take care of myself I need to do you you can't just be like oh well like I have this thing and that's just the way I am right right like I labeled yeah I labeled all the paperwork but I didn't bother to file any of it like is basically what's going on right is you're being like well it's this and it's this and it's this and I know that this is where it comes from and da 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 and it's like okay but like what are you going to do to try and make it better, right? Or to learn how to live with it, you know, in a way yeah. that isn't crippling. Because sometimes that's the best we can do, right? Is to go like, yeah, like, this is how my brain works. It's a little bit, you know, you. but to be able to go like, okay, so I know that this is what I need to be able to function with my brain being the way that it is, you know? Yeah. And, you know, just to tack on to that, right? Like, that's not... I'm not in no no way implying that that is, like, easy, right? Or a thing that you can do alone. Right. Um, Yeah, it's not going to be easy. You're not going to be able to do it alone. Sometimes you're not going to be able to do it at all. But, like, you know, it goes back to that, right? Like, you you know, you got to try for yourself. Right. um, And that'll look different for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Some other songs I wanted to kind of highlight – so the song Your Needs, My Needs is, you know, it's about a a relationship in other ways as well. But he does kind of reference, like, some of the things as far as, like, you know, his Zoloft turning into a crutch and, like, all of this different stuff. And, and, and you know, I mean, even, like, the ability to express, you know, your needs to somebody kind of speaks to what we're talking about when we talk about, like, men feeling right men Mm -hmm. not feeling because men men have the ability to feel but the I think the and they have the ability to do what I'm going to say next but it's it's the the thing that is impeded by the patriarchy and everything else that we're talking about is men emoting right it's Mm -hmm. not the feeling that's the problem it's the recognition of the feeling and the expression of it where I think the limitation happens um and so being able to do something like be like, oh, like you can't meet my needs. I can't meet your needs, you know, like that kind of thing. And also just like the sound, like the sound of this song is so good. I refuse to listen to this song if I'm going to be coming up on a red light because I need to hit the switch like really hard when he like starts to do the like, because it, it switches from this very like soft acoustic, you know, kind of thing to I'm strumming an imaginary guitar on the yes. screen in front of that's Elle. very small very it's super high up it's right by my chin too it's um but it switches from this like soft acoustic thing to him just being like brain and doing like the gr- and you're like yes like put it it's in a, my veins it's a great driving album the one yeah um, yeah it's a road last... trip album for sure like the the view sure. between villages ah so good. when it like picks up he 
glad he extended it. That's one that made me cry when it like came. Like, I didn't expect it. It just really like washed over me. Yeah. Um, but that one, I think if, if anyone's curious, unrelated to this topic, my, well, my semi, my personal favorite on it is, uh, we know that I love to arbitrarily rank things, is, uh, is Orange Juice. Ah, so ah, the saddest good. song on the whole album. Yeah, it's true. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's so it's so good. No uh, counter arguments. <laughs> yeah, if you uh, know if you're listening and you ever want to make a short film, give me a call. call <laughs> I got plenty of plenty of ideas. Um, well, I used to do that all the time with music when I was a kid, where I would like plan out the whole music video in my head. That's a pro pro of nothing, but you know. Anyway, no. um, yeah, I the song that hands down always makes me cry on this album like literally last weekend on the way to girls night on a friday night feeling good feeling fine like ready to go eat some indian food hang out with the girlies this song comes on i am weeping on the skajakwita expressway like (laughs) and uh, like i say when we're on this podcast a lot like i say like oh i cried and like i uh, because of the crippling anxiety which i began to experience in my early 20s uh, I am on Lexapro, which means that I don't actually cry, like, all that often. I, like, I'll get the feeling of, like, oh, I'm gonna cry, and then I don't cry that much. Like, I really have to be, like, going through it to actually have tears leave my eyeballs. Um, and even still, like, I can control it a lot better than I could when I was an unmedicated person, because I would just, like, I would start crying. It would be like, when is this going to stop? Like, I mean, not in an unhinged way, but, you know, I mean, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Self-assessment's hard for everybody. Anyway, um, when I listened to the song, like, last week, it was just like, it just hit me in a spot where it was like, there were, like, there were tears running down my face. And I was like, I am driving. <laughs> like, I gotta get it together. Um, is the song You're Gonna Go Far. Mm-hmm. Um People on TikTok have kind of coined it like the oldest daughter anthem of like, you know, like when you leave and you move to a new country and you do whatever. And like, uh, and it just, it, it's like, a it's one of those songs that is like reassuring, but also hurts your feelings. (laughs) Like, you're just like, I don't know if I feel better about the situation that I'm in with you with all of this being said like i feel at least i feel seen like there's that you know you didn't make me feel better but at least i know that somebody else does it so that's cool i guess um i'm not a one-man army anymore but it's like when you take like a (laughs) personality test you took the enneagram test and it was like you read the description you're like fuck you i mean true (laughs) i I do that but rude (laughs) yeah like okay (laughs) so it's, i'm selfish right it's every time you get like a co-star horoscope because co-star for some reason has decided to just be like the single meanest astrology site on the <laughs> internet where they're just like they'll post like a roundup of like you know something for all of the zodiac signs and it'll be like your biggest flaw and you're just like whoa like fucking drive by like <laughs> just uncalled for behavior so yeah. anyway um <laughs> yeah the other song that is relevant to this topic, um, I think, and something that we kind of talked about. I mean, there are there are a bunch, I think, that will speak to people in different ways, but um, is also the song No Complaints, which is oh, yeah. literally about 
you know, something that we've talked about, which is the idea of being like, oh yeah, everything's terrible and I feel really bad, but you know, it it's fine. I'm fine. Who am I to complain? Right. Yeah. Um, which I think, you know, I mean, it, it's a human impulse, but I do think that it's something like you said that like men specifically tend to gravitate toward of being like, oh, yeah, well, who am I to complain? You know, like it, yeah. And, and not wanting to burden somebody and not wanting to, you know, have to be honest about it and not wanting to, you know, quote unquote, put that on someone. Um, so yeah, we, we like this album. Um, yeah, a, a, a couple of the ones we've talked about are on the extended version. So if you haven't listened to this album, downloaded it, et cetera, et cetera, um, it's stick season. We'll all be here forever. Uh, that's the extended version. And Ooh. Yeah. And I also wanted to talk a little bit about Frank Ocean's Blonde. In my humble, non-expert opinion, this is one of the best, like, 10 albums to have come out in the last, I don't know, like 20 years. Um, I think it is perfect in pretty much every way. But I also just think it's an example, you know, of Frank Ocean really like examining how he sees him like you know his position like examining the world around him him within existing mm-hmm. and within our society like dealing with like what is masculinity what does it look like what does it what does it mean being emotional being vulnerable and honest and it all of those things in such a beautiful moving way if you have somehow are on this earth and haven't <laughs> heard it yet um put in your headphones take a walk go on the metro take a drive whatever you can to i feel like you gotta listen to like while you're moving yeah Um, find a place that you can lay with the windows open while there's a thunderstorm and then just listen to white ferrari because yeah and it's so it's so genuine and it's so honest and i think that is such an important you talked about this a little bit when we started talking about stick season but I think you can tell when someone is talking about these things in a way to be like, oh, I know that it's like maybe it'll then in an authentic way, right? Where they're right. Like either like poking fun at it or like making the TikTok joke or doing it for like some sort of like weird clout or like recognition. Right. I think you can always sniff that out and yeah. there's none of that here. Um and it's really, it's just really fucking moving. Um, yeah. Self-control is is in my top ten favorite yeah. songs of all time. Such a good song. Such a good song. Yeah. And, I mean, so the only reason that we, like, we're not talking about it kind of in depth is because we did want to focus a little bit more on, like, recent works, right? We did, you know, we're doing stuff that's mostly come out in the past couple of years. But everything Alex has said is entirely true. It's a, it's a beautiful beautiful album and it you know it really yeah I mean I think I think you're exactly right it's really about being able to be like you know because and I think before anybody goes and is like oh you know like there are plenty of male singer songwriters who are honest about their emotions and blah 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 it's like you know 
Contrary to what anybody might believe due to our book club list and the fact that there are literally like three men on the whole thing, we do engage relatively frequently with art that is made by men. And some of my favorite singer-songwriters are are men, right? Like I'm I'm a I love Bob Dylan. I'm a diehard Jackson Brown girl. But like I think even the em- emotive male art it tends to engage more with the outside world and what's going on around a person and rather than like their own interior life, right? And how it's it's like, "Oh my god, isn't the world so fucked up?" do you see this as opposed to like, this is fucked up and this is how I feel about it. You know what I mean? Like, does that make sense? Yeah. Like, it's like that self-examination, right? Of like, right. The world is fucked up, but this is how I fit into it. And this is what's happening. Yeah. This is how it's like making me feel and how I'm feeling about what is like happening to me. Right. Um, And not just this like, kind of like, it's almost like taking like a third party view to like your own. Right. Existence. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's and I think it's I think it's really important to do and I think you know it's something that because it is something that women do a lot, right? That we like examine our part in things and our role in things and our, you know, responsibility in things and that we're constantly picking things apart and pack, unpacking things and talking about it and talking about it and talking about it. Like that's something that women are much more comfortable with. And so when a man does that and can go like, okay, this is, you know, this is where I fit into it. Like you said, like, you know, it, that's a big, that's a big thing. And I I mean, and it also like, you know, sonically, the thing that's so cool about blonde is that it's like, I mean, it is one of those albums that it's like every song on it has, I'm getting goosebumps talking about it, but it like, it sounds like the feeling, you know what I mean? Yes. Yes. Like he just, he really like nailed that thing production and production wise and instrumentally of like the album. It always conveys what you're supposed to be feeling in the music and the production. It like, it's yeah. so it, you just, you like, you feel it in your spine. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yes. Oh Yeah. Like, Frank Ocean puts you exactly where he wants you to be, emotionally, I think. It's such a skill. Yeah. It's such a skill. I know. I wonder, I'm, like, and I know really people... uh, patiently, unpatiently waiting for I know. some new music. Um, do we want to move on to the next thing on our list? Let's do it. All right. You want to do it? Go ahead. You did such a good job the first time. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to sh- Pivot. Pivot. <laughs> We're going to pivot to movies. Or, yeah, whatever. Movies, film, film TV, whatever you, you want to call it. Content. Um, well, I guess it's all content, but. Everything is content. No. Um, wow. What time is should it? I get my Should I get my <laughs> tattoo changed from everything is copy to everything is content? Yeah. Um, but we wanted to talk about Bo Burnham's Inside. I'm sorry. I'm still just thinking about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, we do. We want to talk about Bo Burnham's inside. Um, oh, I'm going to let you take this one away okay. because this is your... I love this. I love <laughs> yeah. this. This is... Um, so this came out... It's a it's a comedy special. 
Uh, it came out, I would say mid mid to late pandemic. I want to say twenty mm-hmm. one. They've been getting of twenty twenty one. Yeah. I think I remember um, watching it like New Year's or like that. Yeah, week. yeah. I think it came out in the in the dead of winter, um, when we were all feeling pretty down, um, pretty not rock and roll. Uh, and you know, I like I I had watched some of Bo Burnham's comedy when I was younger, and you know, I mean, like. It, the tenor of his his stuff when he was younger, because he's been making things in a public way since he was like 17 years old, right? So like there are some misses, um, but there are also like stupid, like he does silly shit a lot. So like, <laughs> a, I don't know if I should admit this on air, but like, just because it's kind of embarrassing, but there's a song that he does in one of his early comedy specials that I sing to my cat a lot. <laughs> That's okay. I mean, I make my own songs for yeah my cat. So much well, so that if I sing one, she just goes to her dish. Yeah. <laughs> she knows it's time to eat dinner. Well, he so, sings you know. this song where he's... You all know that now. <laughs> it's so hard to be a lizard. It's hard to be a lizard. Tiny arms, itchy gizzard. It's and my dad. My dad is always like, "She's not a lizard. She's a cat." And I'm like, "Yeah, but like, she's got those dumb little arms, and she can never scratch her face." You know, like. Anyway, that that's just about me. Um, so I've you know I've like always been like, and there are some of his work I I liked better than others and whatever. And there's some stuff like you know he's been making stuff for 13 years in a public space and some of it has not aged well and he's talked about that publicly and you know kind of acknowledged it and taken responsibility for that I think in a really you know genuine and articulate and compassionate kind of way um which is a thing that I like about him and value about him as a person who makes stuff uh, but anyway about this special so it came out in the pandemic um and again, another thing that kind of like, like made a huge run on social media and everything. This predates my being on TikTok um, because I suffer from the kind of oldness that immediately any new social media platform comes out and I'm immediately like, I don't need to be on there, you know, like, and then it takes me a while and then I'm the last person on any given app. So anyway, um, it. It kind of blew up, I think, because it was really reflective of what it felt like to be going through that. It's still to this day kind of the only piece of like pandemic related art that I have engaged with that hasn't made me feel not even like I I just never it, it, it never it always feels forced. You know what I mean? Like everything. And I think usually because most of the ways that the pandemic has been rendered you know, now is in fiction. Um, And it just always feels like it it just doesn't feel like an accurate portrayal of like what it was. It just it always feels like it's like going too far to try and be relevant or it's trying to like show a character like, you know, and identify them by their like political affiliations to the pandemic, like, you know, that kind of stuff. And this is one of the only things that I feel like you know, was made then and speaks to some of what was going on then. And it's not exclusively or really even largely about the pandemic, 
Um, but it is about, you know, the isolation. And he, he made this entire special in, I guess, like a guest house or something near his home. It's got like a weird little bed and a desk and a tiny kitchen. It kind of looks like a tiny home. <laughs> it kind of looks like a tiny home. It's like slightly larger than a shed. It's just, I mean, it's basically like a studio apartment, but you know, it's, it's got a ground floor outdoor. So, you know, it's, it's an enclosed space. Um, but he made this entire thing by himself, wrote it, directed it, like, you know, it, and it's got this like crazy production value where it's like, sometimes stuff looks really cool, but it's actually because he's got a headlamp on and he's just like turning his head in circles, <laughs> making the lights go around. Like it's kind of bit unhinged yeah yeah and it's got like this low production value that like but also it feels like that's kind of what it felt like to be trying to do stuff then as you were just like oh like i don't know this is like a weird kind of approximation of what i would make this look like if i had access to the outside world but i don't it's just me here alone all the time i'm i'm not okay (laughs) you know what i mean like that's it's how the whole thing feels um and he engages a lot with his mental health over the course of, of this special. So I'm I'm going to let you say something because now I'm just <laughs> vomiting. <laughs> no, I mean, as a person, I was not previously really, aside from eighth grade, like a fan of, of Bo Burnham's like co- musical comedy, truly, you typically would be my own personal nightmare. Right. Um. But, you know, I, I heard... I feel like it speaks to the work that I was able to get through that entire thing, though, without saying musical comedy, because it's, like, it's not really It's not really. Point. Like, this... His earlier stuff, that felt like the big, like, crux of it. This, not so much. One, because yeah. the music is actually uh, pretty pretty fucking good. It's good. Um, pretty on the <laughs> it's nose. It's um, But, no, I think it was... You know, the time in which it came out, it was the first thing, I think, for me that I I saw that I was like, oh, that's pretty on the nose here mm-hmm. for what I think we're all feeling, which is just, like, isolation and this feeling isolated, but also just, like, somehow still, like, overly connected, or all the connection is happening online and, like, the right. world is just, like, spiraling. Right, like, that's not good for you either, but it's the only way that I can connect and, like, the way that all of these things were just, like, meshing all together and you were just, like, a conveyor belt from your, like, bed to desk. Right, your whole world was just, like, I mean, as someone who spent a good chunk of the pandemic, like, early days of the pandemic in my studio apartment. Right, um, right. Felt pretty... You maybe know the best what he was experiencing. Anyone who spent the early pandemic in a studio apartment, you good. Yeah. Um, But no, it just, it just was like, oh fuck, like. But it, but it was also like, funny, and I think we all, kind of needed, needed that. Like I think it's another one of the like, pandemic works. Like I said, it's about like folklore. Like it just felt like it came out at like the time when everyone needed a little bit of like, an escape from reality and I think this hit at like a different crux where it was like oh yeah we're all losing our minds yeah yeah like it it did you see like the BBC tweeted this was back a couple months ago that like some study had found that mental health outcomes were not like substantially changed by the pandemic (laughs) and like 
people were just replying in this Twitter thread of like, yeah, I like made up a musical with my like iguana and my, you know, blah, 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 like the most unhinged things they did at the height of the pandemic, where it was like, how dare you? Like, how dare you say that our mental health was not impacted? Like, we were all just like holding on by a fucking thread. I wonder how therapists feel about that. Yeah. Like, I feel like every therapist could be like, would you like to see a list? Like, I mean, it's just... Like, if, you know, it only made my, from personal experience, anything I've ever dealt with, like, Mm. my OCD was, had never been worse than it was. Right. Like, in chunks of the pandemic. Like, it really just, like, compounded. Right. I'm laughing. It wasn't right. funny. But... Right, but, like, that's it, right? Like, it's yeah. the gallows humor of it, of just being like, ha can you believe we survived? Like, it was so yeah. close. Like, because it was just, like, and then you're, like, hyper-vigilant. I mean, you're hyper-vigilant about what's going on in the outside world, right? Like you said, you're so plugged in. You're, like, con- like we were all just, like, glued to the fucking, you know, to news, to social media, to whatever, because it was the only way that we were, like, getting anything. And then, I mean, like, my screen time in the pandemic, I didn't even look, but I'm sure it was disgusting. And then you're, like, you're spending whole days being, like, well, it doesn't matter what I do today because I'll just be in this house tomorrow and the next day. And, like, there's no deadline for anything. There's no, like, you don't need to get anything done because, like, we might literally never go outside again. You know? Like, it just... And then you're trying to keep your head together because you're like, I can't have a crisis right now because no one can help me because everyone's inside. You know, like it was just like everything was so hard. So one of the first lines of this special is because <laughs> his name is actually Robert Bo. Uh, it's Robert's been a little depressed. And he talks about it a lot because he so he actually stopped doing live comedy like in like I think 2018 or something no before that because this came out in 2020 like 2015 he stopped doing live comedy uh and he talks about this in one of the songs um that he started having severe panic attacks on stage um and you know he doesn't really talk about why but I think like you know he also talks a bit about like wanting to be a person who you know, makes the world a better place and all of this kind of stuff and, like, engages with the, with the world and the way that he spends his time in, like, a meaningful and helpful way, but also, like, being a person who's kind of a show-off and is mostly good at writing jokes, you know? Like, he, where he's like, oh, like, isn't that complicated? And that's something he's talked about for most of his career, of being like, why am I doing this? But also, I don't think I can stop, like, it's physically, mentally, whatever. So he stopped performing live comedy and he like spent this time trying to like, you know, improve himself mentally is how he refers to it. And then he like got better and he was feeling good. And in January of 2020, he was like, he decided he was ready to start performing again. And then, right. And then, uh, And so then he's like, you know, he's he's talking about that, but he's also then engaging with like what it was like to be a person with pre-existing mental health conditions or just a person at all being in the pandemic and being isolated and like trying to make something and making it for the reason, you know, of he he says like, you know, just like needing to escape a little bit and like not forget about what's going on, but just like have somewhere to kind of put 
all that energy, right? Like, right. everybody was so fucking squirrely because it was like we were just, there was just nowhere to put everything. You, you were just, you we were all sitting still and doing nothing and, like, having all this, like, rage and fear and frustration and everything, and we, like, couldn't get it out anywhere. Yeah. So, um, I think you do that with the hope to put it somewhere and also... Like, okay, well, if I can, like, put all of these feelings into this weird place. Right. And make people laugh. Then, like, maybe I'll make them feel seen. Right. And right. feel a little better. Right? right. Both two, two hands. Right? Like, uh, you'll feel better because you're, like, not alone. And also, like, I'm also going to make you laugh. Right? And that's, I guess, why comedy's funny. <laughs> Anyways, I... <laughs> Folks... She's cracked it. Folks, uh, genius. <laughs> Is anyone still here? <laughs> Is anyone listening? Uh, I guess that's why comedy's funny. That's the full <laughs> quote of the episode. Um, guys, I really, I at some point in future, I would love for us to start making merch. And how do we feel about putting that on a t-shirt? That, and if you've listened to the Yellow Jackets, just like, I'll draw a diagram. How do you freeze a moose? I'll draw, like, a diagram of how I thought that that was happening. Like like the Josh Allen Buffalo Bills yeah. logo, is it going to look like that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, that would be so funny. I'd love to see that. Love I it. I currently, <laughs> on my wish list of things that I want, is that they had the so, total sidebar. The rookie NFL players draw. Oh, my God. They're so silly looking. <laughs> Their logo and the... <laughs> First, I mean, B. John Robinson's is fucking hysterical for the Falcons. Oh but the Detroit, the lion is so crazy looking. He, like, they gift them the shirt, and then yeah. he holds it up. He's like, I never want to look at this again in my life. <laughs> but they actually, like, one of the sports companies, like, you can buy them. Like, oh they're selling God. them. And it's on, I want the lion's one. It's on my, my wish list. I'm not oh, from Detroit, but. That's so funny. Yeah, so but, like. I feel like if you're a good person with a good heart, you just kind of have to, like, you gotta root for the Lions, because... I'm ready, so I'm pulling really hard for the Lions this year. Has anyone suffered more, like, as a <laughs> as a city, as a sports organization? Like, they just, they always, like, they get within sniffing distance of, like, <laughs> something good, and it just, it always implodes in, like, the most impractical way possible, where you're like, surely that has never happened to a sports team in the history of the world. And it's always happening to the Detroit Lions. I feel so. like the Buffalo, but like Detroit and Buffalo, it's like they're shaking hands. Yeah, we're just like, we get it. I get it. You get it. So, um, anyways. Uh, yeah, so this, I, I don't know. I think this special, I mean, truly, like, and one of the things that's so cool, like, before you're like, oh, musical comedy. Like, it's not, it doesn't sound like musical theater or anything <laughs> no, like that. It it's doesn't. like, these My are, nightmare. they're really well-produced songs and, like, they all like they sound like different they're different styles of music right like there's a song called unpaid intern it's only like 36 seconds long or something that's a guesstimate i don't know it could be a minute but um it's really short and it's just kind of like a transitional thing and he does it with like dark glasses on and to the tune of like a quit like a jazz song like an upbeat like da 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 uh and you know and then like all Eyes on Me, where he talks about, like, the panic attacks he had on stage and everything, it, like, it sounds like a 2010s, like, Kanye West-produced song. Yeah. It absolutely does. Or there's 
another one that sounds it sounds like a drake song right and it's like it sounds like it's going to be about something like sexy and cool like talking about like what are my plans tonight and it's like you know the first line is pour me a drink and clear my schedule and then he's like i'm gonna facetime with my mom tonight like and so they all do these different things and like i really just think it's an incredibly well executed piece of art um and i i don't know it like it because it rides that line of like acknowledging the darkness, right? Both of his own personal mental health, which you can tell is like going through some dark spots during the court. I mean, he recorded this over six months or whatever during the pandemic. And there are times where you're like, oh, Bo came in to record this one and he looks worse. Like he looks worse. He's got this, like his beard's growing out, whatever. But both in the ways that he engages with his own personal mental health, and what's going on in the world around him and like what the fuck do we do about the internet and jeff bezos and you know the the, everything yeah um but in a way that is like we don't have to give up yet because at least we can laugh at it like you know what i mean like and i i just i i really think honestly i think it's something that is going to kind of hold on as sort of a time capsule of like what it was authentically like to be a person at that time. Well, should we talk about the main event? Let's talk about the main event. Woo. Um, go ahead. You've introduced the other two. I don't want to break your streak. So go for it. Do it. So, you know, we talked about this briefly. I don't, the... I also don't want everybody to think that I'm, like, giving Alex permission to speak. She just, like, she looks at me expecting me. doesn't let me look. talk. <laughs> um, no. But I, I, you just keep looking at me expectantly before you say it. So I feel like I have to be like, yeah, go ahead. Like, I'm not, I am not policing Alex's, like, <laughs> dispersal of words. Like, I just... I would like to, you know, mea culpa, anyway. (laughs) Anyway, uh, what we're really, I guess, really here to talk about, even though we just talked for an hour and 30 minutes, is Mm -hmm. uh, Matt Bintig's new book, Far From the Twisted Reach, um, which we were lucky enough to get early copies of and read. He is a dear friend of ours. He is our former teacher, which is a fun... uh, Yeah, guys, he gave us our first arcs. He gave us our first, yeah, which is a I, and I told him this. I was like, Alex and I always say that, like, once we start getting arcs, we will have made it, and we got arcs. We have arcs with not for resale bands on them, so we've made it. Goodbye. We've made it. Goodbye. <laughs> We're quitting. <laughs> um, no, that's what we we really you know want wanting to talk about, and it's a really beautiful book, like we said, and, and I. You, in terms of, what am I fucking trying to say? <laughs> I've been talking for so long. I know my throat, and I'm like disassociating from like myself. But no, we, you know, I think there's a lot of reasons we want to talk about this book, and a lot of reasons we liked it. But I think, you know, really what we want to talk about is the mental health aspects of this book, and you know, dealing with those right feelings, you need to, like, you know, how hard it was. I think, you know, uh, another Easter egg, teaser, not Easter egg, we'll be posting uh, for book club subscribers a special little interview um, with Matt. But 
the difficulties. I love that we, on this podcast, we exclusively use the term Easter egg, like, almost always incorrectly. <laughs> We're like, Here's Yeah, I don't think we've ever egg. once used it, right? I think actually the point of an Easter egg is probably not to say it's an it's Easter egg. It's to not point it out. And then yeah. say it. Yeah. But, an um, Easter egg hunt led by you and I would just be us running around, like, pointing at the eggs, being like, here they are! <laughs> <laughs> have you looked over there? Um, but no, we're going to have an interview uh, going live um, which, yes. in which we talk about kind of like we ask about the more difficult parts of writing this book, of putting it out there. And I think part of that is being this as vulnerable as he is right. in discussing, you know, his struggles with mental health, facing those head on um, and just putting that out into the world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, like, so for anybody that had to read Walden in school, right? Henry David Thoreau's Walden. Or has engaged in any way with the the book or the film uh, Into the Wild, right? And I love the movie Into the Wild, but, like, I remember watching Into the Wild and being like, it is so obvious to me that part of this guy's problem is, like, his refusal to engage with humanity right and like the ultimate lesson that i think a lot of you you know you hear people miss about into the wild is that it's like we need other people right like we need other people to survive and and that was always the thing that drove me crazy about walden as i was just like henry david thoreau like he just you know he moves out to the middle of nowhere and he's like look at it, it always just felt like, look at how much better I am than everybody because I don't need anybody. And it was like, you're a weirdo. Like, you're you're a weird guy. Like, we need other people. And I think what I love, you know, in part so much about this work is that it was like, you know, Matt talks about kind of like being at this impasse with his mental health and the way that he's like just feeling about, you know, everything, not like not just his life specifically, but like being a 21st century person and everything that has come up in the past, you know, like all of it, you know, there's so much, everything that we talked about with the the inside special that has to do with, you know, politics and the internet and, and the freaking you know, like screwed up economic situation in this country and everything else. And you're like, and, and it's easy to have, not easy, but it's, it makes sense to have like an emotional response to that of being like, Oh my God, like I just, I I can't like, I, I physically, emotionally, mentally cannot like it's, you know, it makes sense to almost shut down in the wake of that. And he had that response and he wanted to like go out in nature and reconnect with, you know, all of the things that make us feel like, awe and wonder and joy and appreciate the world again but he like I love the fact that it's not like this the primary purpose of it is not solitude right like he's Mm -hmm. not going out there and going like oh I need to like go and be alone and go find myself and whatever right like he's taking his kids and his wife and he's going and engaging with different people around you know like his you know friends of the family and in-laws and you know people that they meet at campsites and whatever and like it is very much a book about I think figuring out how to like remembering how to love and appreciate the world 
while you are like, yes, they do, right. They unplug and they, they, you know, go and be out in nature and be, you know, they go offline and all of that, but it's not a book about like pulling away or isolating or going, I am going to solve my problems. The only thing that will solve my problems is by me being alone. Right. It is about like still being engaged with other people and trying to remember how to you know how to to go about being a person in that way yeah you, you do you know what i mean I'm, yeah, I'm, it's I'm not, like but about like just getting closer to or back to like the things that make you feel alive right and those are often not things you do you know totally isolated right right like, sometimes sure Right. Like, and sometimes the thing that makes us feel alive in part is those relationships with other right. people. And I love that, like, that this book acknowledges that, right? And engages with it in a very realistic way of, like, you know, being a parent is, like, I love my children. I see all these incredible things in them. I can't wait to see what kind of people they turn into. But also, oh, my God, we are driving down the Pacific Coast Highway and they haven't stopped fighting, like, you know? And, like, in the the messiness of it you know it right. feels it's so much more real for that in for engaging with what it actually looks like to be a person confronting all of this without also being a person who has the ability to be like well i'm just gonna go be alone in a hut right. in the woods right because most like, of us can't do that no. without blowing up and our like, lives being a person is being and messy, right? and holding right. all sorts of different realities and things at the same time and having mm -hmm. to like quote unquote not really but balance them or just right you know, you know hold all these things and, and live through all these things you can't just uh you can't just back out um and go live in a hut right <laughs> Most right of us. yeah 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 and it's like as somebody who has been tempted right like to to do that right like i've you know I've said to you, like, oh, man, like, if I have kids, like, I I just, I, I don't even know that I want kids. But, like, if I have kids, like, I don't even want to deal with them dealing with the internet. Like, I'm just, I'm going to take them into the woods and they're not going to yeah. know the internet exists, right? Um, which is certainly the audio that will be isolated for this podcast in the FBI's case against me if and when <laughs> I ever start a cult. But that being said, it's like, I just, I... It, it is, it's a very, it's, I mean, the book itself is not messy, but it engages with the messiness of, of life and of being a person. And it's so, you know, it is so honest in that way, which I think is, you know, and Matt also like, he talks about things in this book where it's like, you know, above and beyond his mental health about, you know, stuff with his relationship and his marriage and, um, you know, about trying to figure out how to like, parent his daughter in this version of the world versus the way that he parents his son right and uh because as much as we wish that like those didn't need to be different they they do and they are right and mm -hmm. like and uh, all of this stuff in a way where it's like there there are stuff there's stuff that he talks about in this book where he's like it, it's not necessarily the thing that like he feels best about about himself right and i think that that is so hard to do and so important, especially in a world that like, you know, and with the internet being the way that it is, tries to constantly tell us that like, humanity and, you know, personhood is monolithic, and that 
people are one way or are another way instead of being like, you know, complicated and vast and containing multitudes, as Whitman would put it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I think another personally fun aspect of this book for me is like, you know, we obviously know him and he was our our AP English teacher and he... I didn't say this to him because I didn't want to embarrass him while we were talking to him. But, like, it was so nice and fun and, I don't know, just, like, heartwarming to read this book about someone who, for me, is, like, such an important... He has been such an important figure in my life and and who's, like, things he's taught me, told me, written, like, that I think about a lot well into my, like, now adulthood. Oh, yeah. Um, and to... Just, like, one, like, read about him talking about those people for him. So it's, like, I guess maybe if I, like, ever wrote a memoir, like, he would come up. Right, in, in right. Mine. Um, but also just a reminder. Yeah, I like, don't think he has any idea how many, like, essay applications I've written where it's, like, talk about someone who inspired <laughs> you. That I'm, like, let me tell you about my 12th grade English teacher. Like, I think it would embarrass him if he knew. <laughs> yeah, which is why I didn't bring this up um, when, we, when we spoke. But, yeah, it was, and it was just, it's. It is, you know, all of those things that, like, I think he was scared or scared or, you know, that was, yeah, scary to, like, talk about were right. things I was like, oh, wow, it's nice to see a person who you think about as, like, being some sort of, like, guiding light to be like, sometimes I get it wrong and it's a mess and right. I don't know, I don't have the answers. No one has all the answers. Right. It is just, it's a good refresher. There's a, I'm a part of the book where he's going to meet with his therapist and he has like a very long list of things he is going and this goes back to the like fixing right being productive right that I'm going to do in like 60 days and like to get my life back on track right and, and it's, it was it, it I mean it's like do yoga every day run every day <laughs> like you know list. it's it is more than 24 hours of work every single day. Like, like, you know, and it's a thing I think that we've all done, right? Yeah. Of like, you know, this year at New Year's was the first time that I ever didn't like make a list of like, these are all the things. Like I made three goals this year and one of them was to like try and make my bed as often as possible. Like it's like baby steps because for so long it was like, as much as I was like, I don't believe in New Year's resolutions, blah, blah, blah. The New Year rolls around and you're like, this year, I'm going to finally figure out right. how to be a person. <laughs> and like, I'm in a weirdly semi-similar impasse in my own life. And I remember like, as I was reading this, like the day before, I was like, I'm going to go to like my local bar and like get a Guinness and I'm going to make a list. And these are all the things I have to do in like 60, 90 days. And the way I'm going to like make all these decisions and it's going to be like the rest of my life. Right, <laughs> like, right oh, that's, like, that's not how anything works. What? Right, right, right. But that we all have that tendency, yeah. right? And, and yeah, completely. Like, you know, I, I mean, he, Matt is, and again, like, let's just, you know, uh, again, I, we might embarrass him. I don't know. <laughs> like, but, like, he, he has been, I think, the closest thing in my life to what I would call a mentor. Like, he is the, you know, I have emails saved from him from like men like freshman year of college being like I'm not happy in my major and I don't know and should I be a writer and should I get an English lit degree and da 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 like and you know 
And we're still in regular, co- obviously, like he didn't just show up out of the blue and be like, hey, like, here's my book, you know, like, and, you know, and he's somebody that like, I think about, like you said, the way that he would handle certain things or, you know, his sentiments on on all sorts of stuff that we that we've talked about over the years. And like, to have that and to, to realize that even somebody who like, lives his life the way that he does and you know in so many ways i think is like he was robin williams in the dead poet society for us right like standing on the desk you know reciting whitman like we were like this man is a truly like the kids that weren't in matt bendig's class were like why do you guys talk about him like he's (laughs) like an oracle you know what i mean like it was just but it was like oh my god like he he's just like he's figured out how to be a person, you know, like in like a profound yeah. way. And to now be an adult and and read this book and realize like, it, you know, it's it's almost different. Like it's almost more so than like the way that we engage with it with our parents, right? Because it's like, by the time we're 18, we're all like, oh yeah, my parents are people, all right. You know, yeah. like we're like, oh, I get it. Like, you know, but to to see somebody like that who you've who've known in this way and who you've kind of looked to as a as a source of guidance and everything and to just be like not just you know yeah there's the mental health aspect of like you know everybody goes through this stuff and it's you know it doesn't have to be taboo and you don't have to be ashamed and all of that but even to just see the way that like in a very human way, we all fall short trying to yeah. fix, you know, quote unquote, fix ourselves to go like, mm, no, 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 I'm going to get my shit together. And you're like, you know, like, you know, you already know all the reasons that that's not going to work, right? Like, and if that was anybody else, you would look at them and be like, you hmm. can't do that. Like, that's not how is that you gonna- can't learn how to do yoga, play guitar, right, right, and get fit in 60 days. Right. Sorry. But like we but we all like, you know, we all do that shit of just being like, no, like this is how I'm going to do and and you know, to realize that like we all have that capacity to get into this like idea of oh no, like not just that it's enough to like take a little step, right? And like make ourselves feel a little bit better and do this, but like that all or nothing mentality of yeah. like either I will be perfect or I will be nothing. <laughs> And to know that somebody who has such a nuanced belief system about people in the human experience can still fall into that trap, like, it just makes you feel a little bit better. You know what I mean? To go like, oh, so I'm, like, that doesn't make me the worst for every time I've made a list of, like, you know, what pros and cons of how I'm going to make some major, whatever it is, you know? It's also, like, I mean, it is a it's a great American road trip, you know, but it, it's so much about, it it is, it's like, it's within and amongst and, and apart and like all of that, you know, from what they're seeing, but it's, it's really about watching the way his family engages with the world around them and thinking about, you know, the arcs of his life and, and, And then realizing, right, that, like, at the end, like, you know, they go on this three-week road trip, and and then they're going to go back. 
and like life is going to be what it was. It, it is the wherever you go, there you are of it, right? That it's like, yeah, we can like go on this fantastic trip, right? I mean, we've all, you, I think you wrote a piece for, for our newsletter last year, right? About like your vacation self, right? Like we all go and we're like, oh, I'm going to go on vacation. And I, I mean, I just went thrift shopping and like bought a bunch of dresses because I'm like, I'm going to be Paris, going to be going to Paris and I'm going to be so French and my French girls <laughs> are going to be so much better than like, than they would have, you know, than they actually are given the fact that I haven't spoken French in four years. Um, and all of this kind of stuff, right? Like I'm going to go and I'm going to inhabit this. And then that is going to be who I am. Yeah. And then you come back from vacation and like life exists and you're still the person who you were and shit is still as crazy as it is. And America is still America in, you know, and, yeah. and then, and then in his case, right? Like he sat, he, you know, kind of like put his notes, away, like his journal entries away from, you know, the trip and everything. And then like the world imploded. And so then he wrote this book through that process of going back and being like, seeing it all kind of cast in this different light. And so mm -hmm. while it's not, it's not a piece of pandemic art in that it's talking about the pandemic, I think it, it allowed him to see it all in kind of a different way of just going, you know, the subtitle of this book is the last road trip ever, because mm -hmm. it was like, it seeing all of these, you know, just these small interactions and these things that happen, you know, these things that happen among strangers and, and everything and just going like, oh, you know, uh, being able to appreciate, I think, the, the beauty and the profundity of that in a way that the pandemic, like, I remember being in the pandemic and being like, I will never go to a concert and complain yeah. about like sweaty strangers again. Like I am so excited to be in a room with other sweaty people. Right. And then it's like, then, you know, two years after the pandemic, you go to a concert and somebody steps on your foot and you're like, everyone's the worst. You know, like, it's like, that's what being a person go by. Yeah. Right. But like, that is, um, this is random. I didn't really put this together when we first made this list, but you know, stick season was also made in a similar it fashion. It was. Um, yeah, it was. It, it was, was made during the pandemic. Connecting so. the dots. <laughs> I am just really blowing everyone's minds. This <laughs> 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 episode. Oh, guys, if you want, if you want more of just the best things that Alex has to say. Make sure you go back to the episode of Yellow Jackets where we talk about the frozen moose, because we'll find the which one it is. And Alex, we'll Alex is my dearest friend, my confidant, my you know at this point my like writing partner. So many things to me. She has been so integral in so much of my life. But the best thing that she's ever said. <laughs> Is about that the frozen moose. I promise that I am an intelligent person. She's so smart. She's so smart. But listen, like we all have days. We we all got we and all. Have all of days. mine are recorded now. <laughs> it seems. Oh. It's it's hard to be on like this, you know, to be like, oh, I can't say and yeah. The problem is that then, like, we never say something stupid and then just move on. We say something stupid, realize it was stupid, then talk and about it for down. six minutes. So, and then keep referencing it for the rest of the recording. 
which means I can't go back and delete it because the whole thing would just be chopped up into bits. So it's like once it's in there, it stays. Like you're getting you're getting the full run, guys. That probably uh, says something about my uh, mental <laughs> health and insecurities. <laughs> Uh, we're doing great. We're great. We're 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 good. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I this book is. I mean, honestly, I think if you've ever had a problem that you've even been tempted to run away from, if you've ever wondered how you were going to exist, continue to exist in your life the way that it is, and deal with, you know your mental health or wellness. Um, like if you've had the thought that if you ever have children, you're going to take them to the fucking woods and <laughs> never talk to anybody again. Um, you know, I, I think that this is a book that you'll really, really appreciate. Um, so again, it's called far from the twisted reach, which is a reference to a Bob Dylan lyric. So again, like, come on, Bob Dylan, come on. Um, but, uh, it's available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Um, you can buy it online through a couple of uh, local bookstores here in Buffalo. Um, one of them is Talking Leaves Books. So you can go on the Talking Leaves website and order it. Um, but the best way to order it is from mattbindigbooks.com. Um, so if you go to mattbindigbooks.com, I'm double checking that that's the website. Yes, it is. Um, there's the photo gallery from the, um, from the book. Um, you can also, you know, you can see like the events that he's going to be doing and all that kind of stuff. Um, but you can also order the book. Um, if you order it on his website, you'll get a signed copy um, and, you know, like he, he has said, it, you know, it'll be a couple dollars more than if you buy it from Amazon or whomever. Um, but the bigger the outlet, the l less of an outstanding job they do supporting authors uh, financially and otherwise. Um, so if you want to support an author directly and with your own two hands you can buy the book from mattbindigbooks.com um and uh you'll get a signed copy his novel i believe is also available on the website uh it's called nothing here is real it came out in 2016 so uh you can buy that there as well um and he will ship it to you directly so real you know direct to consumer vibes which we love so please feel free to do that Feel free to, I think he's on, uh, you can go on his website and also like follow him on uh, Facebook, I think, and stuff like that. So, um, yeah. Is there anything else we have to say? Fuck the patriarchy? Fuck the patriarchy. <laughs> so true. So Concise and impactful, I would say. Yeah. And, and uh, say we'll be back yeah, for the we'll next one. Back. Are we talking about? Barbie. Which is also going to be talking a lot about the patriarchy. Yes. And um, the cultural moment that is Barbie. Yeah. Um, two weeks later. <laughs> I'm I'm so excited to be talking about Barbie because I, yeah. I am a bona fide, I, I am a capital B, capital G Barbie girl. Always have been, always will be. <laughs> Won't ever let anybody talk me out of it. So I'm stoked. Um, 
but yeah and thank you for being here today and uh thank you for listening and uh mm. if you're if you're emoting in any way you know good bad or ugly we're proud of you it's yeah. hard proud of you let us know your thoughts men i, I know you will <laughs> um, if you didn't like this um uh, uh, no if you have other examples of work that you love i thought you were gonna say if you have other examples of men not being able to emote i was like oh no. that seems <laughs> that doesn't seem like a good faith <laughs> i get it no, but if there's any other uh you know books movies uh tv recommendations you have for us please let us know we'd love yeah. to hear them we thank will. you for being here don't eat your friends. <laughs> Don't eat your friends, which is still our sign-off until we come out with something else. Should our sign-off? <laughs> and that's why comedy is funny. <laughs> oh, my God. We gotta go. <laughs> oh, we gotta go. All right. Uh, yeah, don't eat your friends. Uh, we'll see you in Bye. a couple weeks. Bye.